Hello? Is this thing on? Right, got to remember how to do this. Hello everyone, this is the Essential Apple Show, a show where we normally cover the last 7 to 12 days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumours, roundup, gossip and anything else that casts our eye or takes our attention in the world of tech news. But before we go any further, I need to say a huge thank you to Mr. Barry Gentleman, who stepped in on the last show to do a rather fine job of his first time at hosting a podcast. And also thank you to the guests, Mr. Carl Madden and Mr. Dr. Mr. Sorry, Dr. Richard Hartness. Can you say Mr. Dr.? I suppose in some countries you can, for stepping in as well, bring rather excellent co-hosts. So Barry, here, have a firework. Now, of course, the time that we take a little bit of a break from doing the podcast, all hell breaks loose in the world of tech. But before we get to that, I just want to give a bit of an update on what's been happening. And for those people who are tuning in for the first time, why we haven't done a show for a while. And for those that are listening, why I haven't done a show for a while. So let's roll back the weeks and the months. Well, feels like months anyway. Now we've come back off holiday and the nights have drawn in and I was on holiday. But before I went on holiday, we actually recorded a show on the Wednesday night. As we got to the airport at six o'clock in the morning, I had mad, mad speeds of Wi-Fi, 4G, downloaded the episode. Sorry, downloaded the three tracks and off I went thinking I had everything. And I did. Right up until I was on the plane and I was pretty much almost towards the end of doing the editing, somehow I didn't have all of my audio, which meant I couldn't do anything. Bugger. We get to Fjordaventura, which is an island, and we're in the lovely place of Coral Echo, enjoying drinks and one euro beer. You will not believe how good a one euro beer will taste when it's on the seaside. Seaside, seafront, beach. I knew what I meant, but anyways. Now this island has Wi-Fi all over the place. You cannot look anywhere, sniff anything, walk anywhere, or bump into anyone without interrupting someone on a phone, which is great. The only problem is, it's an island, and there seems to be only one really, really slow internet connection from civilization to the island. Now, I was getting anything from 30 meg, 15 meg, 10 meg down, maybe about 5 to 1 in the day doing a speed test. However, speed tests don't really mean much, it appears, in Coral Echo, because even though I was getting that, my upload and download speeds were horrendous. And I'm even talking about at night when I thought, ah, right, in the hotel, I'll just grab the files now. Everyone's asleep. Everyone's parted out. You know, surely iPhones and Androids and all the rest of it have got to be turned off. But no. So this made getting my audio even trickier. Then we get on to the point of uploading it, because although I can do all the editing on my iPhone, I still need to bounce it to Orphonic to get all the level straight. So you don't hear me crashing and all my guests crashing into everyone, sounding too loud or too quiet. That's where the problem started. I was at the pool for four hours trying to upload to Google Drive or Dropbox where it would just time out. Whether or not it was the beta software that I was using, which would stop uploading when the screen locked, meaning that on a very, very slow upload, and we're talking probably 40 minutes to get 60 megs worth of audio up. 
how to keep touching the screen or leaving the screen on and when it's hot you don't really want to be doing that and if you get to turn it off and I didn't really want to turn the screen lock off just in case in a slightly maybe inebriated state I'd walk off and leave my phone so on so forth so eventually I got the file up and I got it downloaded and then I was able to just about bounce the audio it probably took three solid days of trying every which way I possibly could to get the audio up. So that's why the shows were late. That's why, well, sorry, my show was late, but Barry's show was just about on time and I pushed out two rather quickly. Sorry about that. I hate it when I push out two together, but that's, I just felt that was the right thing to do at the time. In hindsight, maybe I should have held Barry's back, but I didn't really want to think that he, I, was, he, I didn't want him to think I was being ungrateful for him doing such a good job. Spin forward, and about a week or so later, I'm on the phone to Carl, and we were having an interesting discussion because Carl seemed to share the same sort of sentiment of me of being absolutely fed up to the hind teeth of all the clickbait journalism that is just getting simply out of control. Now, admittedly, we both had a few personal things going on in our life. I'm not going to discuss Carl's side of things, as you would expect. But for me, I just got back to work and bills and you know what it's like, post-holiday blues, all that first world problem sort of stuff, blah, 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 which I'm sure nobody is really interested about and got to say, don't really blame you. But anyway... I'm trying to get back into the news and I was getting drained. It was like every story just seemed to be clickbait journalism to a horrendous degree. And this is in Apple News. And I'm not talking about Apple News as a news about Apple, but the Apple News app. And I've said this before on a previous show when I was um, when I was looking around for some stories, the Apple AirPods to emit dangerous radiation. And then you read it, you get fast two paragraphs where they're introducing the product, telling you what it's going to be. And then some 500 words later, because that seems to be the magic figure for Google to um, rank your page. And then says, due to Bluetooth, which emits radio signals, which have been scientifically proven or unproven, sorry, have been scientifically unproven. Let me try that again, which haven't been scientifically proven to cause any side effects or damage, may emit dangerous radiation. Okay, so this is a story all about how there's no fact here whatsoever. And that's where you start grumbling in your head. And over the next few days, as the rumours got getting closer and closer to the Apple event, the one story that tipped me over the edge where I decided I just need to take a break from the world of Apple news and just enjoy things. You know, stop having all these spammy headlines just being rammed down my throat because I'm trying to see what's going on in the world. Admittedly, Apple news is all about Trump v. Clinton, etc. Definitely not touching that one on this podcast. The one that flipped me over the edge was iPad Pro fail causes Apple to rethink MacBook line. Yep. And of course, you could go into the whole argument and I had this self-talk with myself. Like, well, what, what, what would Apple class as a failure? If, they, if you're using their product, you're using a product. If you don't buy a Mac, you buy an iPad. If you don't buy an iPad, you buy a phone. Whatever. They just don't care. But nobody seems to have a metric of what failure is. Technically, the whole Apple PC line is a failure because it only has a really small market share. 
and it was the only thing that was growing until Apple pretty much almost decided to abandon ship with that. So that's why I took another few days off. Unfortunately, this is when Apple then decided they were going to launch the events. Now, these normally happen on a Wednesday, or I think they happened on a Wednesday, because we normally record the podcast. But this time, it was on a Thursday and after the Microsoft event. And it was all tickety-boo, apart from the fact that I was in work, dodgy 3G signal, Wi-Fi was playing up. So I only caught half the event, so I ended up having to catch up. And I was all prepared to sit down on a Friday and record a podcast. Now, the chaps are busy. Uh, Barry has some exciting news about the world of unemployment. Carl is off doing a few other bits and bobs. Matt is somewhere. Funnily enough, he's been missing since the start of The Apprentice. Make of that what you will. And he does look a little bit but like Lord Sugar. Yet, like I said, I was there ready to catch up on the world of Apple until I got into work the next morning. And my colleagues just said, right, let the ripping begin. I was like, well, hang on, that product isn't too bad. Of course, I slept through the point where overnight, if you, well, that's Rob, that's not fair, actually. If you had known anything about the world of Apple and you knew that they were releasing a product, you could well be forgiven for waiting till after the event to you know, see what happens. Do I want to buy a nude one or do I want to buy an old one? You know, that's fair enough. But then to be stiffed for waiting two hours to buy an Apple product by a couple of hundred pounds, it just, it, it, it blew my mind. And that's why I didn't want to record a show because I didn't want to be you know, on a high horse of complete dissing Apple because I want to see what the facts were going to be. I wanted to see what they were going to say. You know, is this something temporary or, you know, is this part of a strategy? Were they always going to do this? And then I said, then the news started coming through about Phil Schiller was being wheeled out. And you think, yeah, Apple's got a serious PR problem when perhaps for the first time ever, they bring someone out to talk about price. And, well, is anyone convinced about their reasons? I don't know if I am. I mean, you can blame Brexit and a weak euro for all you want, but there's, there's something that still bugs me. Now, I don't profess to be an economics expert. I don't know about supply chains. I know a little bit about just-in-time business practices and all that sort of stuff, whereby... Literally, you have no stock and you just buy stock to order to make your kit. And it's quite reasonable that if Apple wanted to, they could build an iMac or a Mac Pro within a, a week or so or you know, pretty much have stock. But I would guarantee they have stock. I can't work out why that box that's in that shop, which has been paid for, probably, which has had all the research and development done on it, which is there landed, waiting to be handed over or put in the post to a customer, has suddenly jumped up by an astronomical amount. I can't, I just can't think that you've got stock there that's already there, it's already been produced. Why would that be affected when you're selling that two hours later than earlier on in the day? Now, go back a week or so. Microsoft did announce they were going to charge 22% more on their cloud infrastructure charges because of the weak pound in Brexit. But, you know, this is a bit of a pill to swallow because for the same, for the 
cost of what you're paying now versus what it costs a couple of hours before, you're buying equipment that's old, but they're still charging you more for it. And that's when I just sort of thought, right, don't go into meltdown over this because it'll get incredibly ranty and a bit ridiculous. Take a bit of a break and wait to see what happens. And oh, I, I don't know. If anyone out there knows what the economy is like and can explain why this would be in a less generic term than Apple saying, well, the value of the pound is weakened, so therefore we've got to put the prices up. I was thinking about this early on when I was out walking with two Labrador, Labradors around the field. Why does it never work the other way around? If they've got a certain margin to make and the pound is strong, then drop the price. When it goes weak, bump it up. Now, I know it's not as simple as that. I mean, take fuel, for example. Just because the price of a barrel of oil was $66, let's say, in March, are we, you're not going to see that price being reflected in fuel because fuel is traded way in advance. So for that £66 to be recognised in the price of a litre of a uh, litre of fuel it has to come down the line eventually so although it's in march you might not see it till june and then it'll go back up that's a really bad analogy but basically you're trading on the past in a way but i know if anyone is out there and if anyone can explain it to me or you want to come on the show and give a nice reason to ex- reason why please do because i really really don't understand so that's why that's why this shows have been a little bit off kilter i'm recording this one on my own this week um dean who's going to come on the show is in ireland in the ul conference uh with such podcasting giants and apple people is uh dalrymple what's his first name oh blimey you can tell it's been a while uh so yeah so dean's off and I just wanted to get a show out to keep a to keep the show alive in your feed and b basically just to reconnect with you because we will be doing a show where we're all back together very shortly. Now, before we left for a bit of a break, we had a Patreon donator, and because I was away, I forgot to play this. So, Teresa, thank you very much for becoming our first and as yet only Patreon donator, and this is for you. Teresa, 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 Teresa. Well, I sort of hoped that was worth the wait, and believe me, that actually took some doing, some editing. Thanks to Carl and Dean for joining in, and Teresa, once again, thank you very much for being our first Patreon subscriber. Uh, Hope this doesn't make you unsubscribe. Right, there is obviously quite a bit of Apple and Microsoft news to go through, but this story caught my attention today. Admiral, a UK car insurance company, is to price car insurance based on Facebook posts. Yes, if you've ever had a query or doubt or what does Facebook do with my data? Well, this should make you stir, this should wake you up a little bit. The insurer's algorithm analyzes social media usage to identify safe drivers in an unprecedented use of customer data. The unprecedented move highlights the start of a new era for how companies use online personal data. And blah, 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 goes the article in The Guardian. Now, 
What are they going to be grabbing? Well, apparently it's incredibly transparent. If you don't want to use your Facebook data in a quote, then you don't have to, but they are doing their best to build a product that allows people to identify themselves as safe drivers because, you know, having those little trackers in your car, that's not quite enough. Now, they say this, our analysis is not based on any one specific model, but rather on thousands of different combinations of likes, words and phrases. It's constantly changing with new evidence that we obtain from the data. As such, our calculations reflect how drivers generally behave on social media and how predictive that is, as opposed to fixed assumptions about what a safe driver, driver may look like. Oh, good God. So... This goes back to why I keep saying about this uh, this whole tech speak thing is how are they going to rate people who are too lazy to type OK and have to type KK? That is in The Guardian and that is also going to be in the show notes, which you can scroll down in the podcast app of your choice or head over to EssentialApple.com and take a look there. Now, I'm going to do something different, I think, this time around. There is a lot to talk about in the world of Apple right now, especially with the presentations. And, well, to me, and to anyone else out there, did Tim Cook look a little bit bored and a little bit disinterested, always seemingly glancing downwards? And yes, I I get the fact it's a smaller venue, but he always seemed to be looking at his notes a little bit more. And it makes me wonder what would have happened if the Apple event was first and then the Microsoft event was second, purely based on the opening of the shoe shows. Now, they both concentrate on accessibility and that in itself is a hugely very, very good thing. And Apple, with their new accessibility website, absolutely spot on. But I wonder what would have happened in, well, yeah, the clickbait journalism probably would have said, oh, Apple's copied Microsoft with their accessibility thing at the start of the show. But people soon forget that it does take quite a few weeks and months to edit something like that together. So what would it have been like? I don't know. But again, let me know your thoughts. Now, as it's been me rambling on, I want to break things up a little bit. And Serenak, who is one of the chaps, well, he is the chap who does all of my article editing. He basically makes the times when I do actually manage to get an article written readable. And he was kind enough to record some audio for me at the weekend. So, Simon, over to you. Hello, and first of all, I'd like to say a big thank you to Mark and the gang for my chance to ruin their perfect good podcast with my few minutes of rants and raves. Well, let's get started. It's been a busy couple of weeks, hasn't it? We've had exploding Galaxy Note 7 phones. Then we had all the furor after Samsung were dragged, kicking and screaming into recalling them, only to issue some more exploding phones. Not a particularly brilliant plan, I'm afraid. After that, Samsung admit defeat and decided to just withdraw the things altogether. But in a show of bad sportsmanship, they got the hump about people taking the mickey out of their exploding phones and putting them into things like GTA, substituting the sticky bombs and grenades for, unsurprisingly, Galaxy Note 7 phones. So, apparently Samsung, being a bad sportsman, didn't like that, and they took to issuing a lot of writs and takedown notices. Well, 
You just made yourselves look very silly indeed, didn't you? As the headmasters always used to say, you've not just let the school down, you've not just let your friends down, you've let yourselves down. This week also marked the 25th anniversary of the original PowerBook 100. Yes, that's two and a half decades since Apple introduced a machine where they'd pushed the keyboard back towards the screen so you could put your palms on the body of the laptop and put the pointing device, in this case a trackball, yes kids, touch wasn't invented then, we had to make do with a big marble. However, this was a design which defined the shape of laptops from then until now. And I have to say, no matter how clunky and feeble-powered it seems, in those days it was a machine that people desired. Apple, of course, had their quarterly earnings call, where they seem to have not done quite as well as they've done in the past. However, I'm sure plenty of other people will pick apart the earnings call in great depth and with far more knowledge than I have to analyse it. So all I'm going to say is they seem to have made enough money to keep going for a bit longer, which is quite good for them and unlike poor old Vine, which of course, forgive the pun, Twitter has pruned. The day after the earnings call was Microsoft's turn. They decided to have a nice Microsoft Surface event, which was, if possible, more like an Apple event than an Apple event. The slides, the typography, the lovingly detailed video of exploded components slowly coming together to form beautiful new technology products was like some kind of techno porn, and a very good presentation it was. We had a demonstration of how, from a phone, you could walk around a, a real-world object and scan it in into a 3D virtual object, a technology which Microsoft say will be coming to all platforms, something I thought was rather slick. Then they showed us a new version of Paint. Yes, that Paint. Microsoft Paint. Microsoft Paint 3D. A 3D application designed to allow mere mortals to create 3D artwork without having to get to grips with the complexities of things like Maya and all those other very, very complicated 3D building applications. They announced a tie-in with SketchUp, which is a very good and relatively simple 3D application. It's also very popular and has a huge library of pre-built objects, which is a great boon for mere mortals trying to put together 3D artwork. So that seemed like a very good move as well. We had a very slick demo of the HoloLens and what you can do with that. And then Microsoft showed us how they're going to incorporate all this 3D loveliness into Office. So you can get 3D objects into Word and Excel and, of course, PowerPoint. PowerPoint made some sense to me. I thought that that actually was something that PowerPoint users might like. As for Word and Excel... Maybe not so much, but I guess if you've got a super new technology, you might as well jam it into everything you can find. But they weren't done yet. They had a little bit of a chat about the Surface and the Surface Book, and then they moved on to the crowning glory of the event. A fabulous desktop computer, which on first impressions could be mistaken for an iMac clone, but with one big extra. It's touch-enabled, and the supports are effectively zero gravity, a bit like the lamp stand iMac had. So, with just a finger, you can push it down from a vertical iMac-like position into 
a draftsman's table kind of position where the artist or draftsman or other user can take their Microsoft Surface Pen and work directly on the screen as if it was a drawing board. Yes, a drawing board. That is the thing that those of us who are over a certain age actually worked on before computers came along. I have to say that the Surface Studio was a very impressive piece of kit. I know what Steve said about Gorilla Arm and how touching your computer is not really ergonomic, but the way that Microsoft have put this together, I think it really can work. Let's face it, I just think they've really thought about this one. To be honest, Mr Satya Nadella has taken the clunky MS, which felt like it came from Soviet-era Russia, the one that declared Windows for all, whether you like it or not, and has somehow turned it into a shiny new 21st century Microsoft, one that wants to just help everybody have the best tools available, and to make a Windows for each of us, which is a subtle difference, but a very good marketing term. I have to say that at the moment, Microsoft feels like it's becoming cool and relevant again, like they've actually got somebody there who's steering the ship in the right direction. The day after Microsoft was, of course, Apple's turn to hold their event, the one we've all been waiting for for a very long time, the one that Uncle Tim told us would reveal fabulous and stunning new technologies. Well, I have to say, in my opinion, Apple, you blew it. You blew it really big time. You started out by introducing some new Apple TV features, which I have to say anybody outside the USA probably won't get and can't use. Then you introduced some new thinner, smaller and lighter MacBook Pros. Well, it's about time, I have to say. And they did indeed have the long-predicted leaked OLED touch bar feature. It's cool. It's clever. But I have to say a lot of what you showed it doing is already on the screen and it feels to me like you're acknowledging people want touch whilst refusing to admit that people have become accustomed to touching their screens and damn it all not even an expensive new touch bar enabled magic keyboard so those of us who don't want a lovely new macbook can at least get access to the touch bar so that sucked oh and by the way did i mention that whilst they were introducing these lovely new macbooks they were quietly killing off the MacBook Air, the MagSafe, the SD slot and everything except for USB-C slash Thunderbolt 3. Thankfully, they seem to have lacked the courage, quote unquote, to pull the 3.5mm head jack from the laptop. But worst of all, that was it. Nothing for the iMac, no Mini, no Pro. This is becoming worse than a bad joke now. It feels to me like you have really lost your way and your Edge Apple and the Spark. I've been using Macs since 1988-89 and even in the dark days Apple could produce something I could look at and desire. But it's a sad state of affairs when a long-term Mac acolyte like me would rather have a new Surface Studio machine than one of your new MacBooks. I've made my living on Apple desktops for all those years and now Apple can't offer me anything other than years old technology for my desktop Macs. Shame on you, Apple. Someone has fallen asleep at the desk. It seems like Johnny Ive and his design crew have become far too wrapped up in creating fabulous new finishes and exploring exotic new materials to concentrate on boring stuff like making day-to-day -day computers. Damn it. I need a decent, up-to-date Macintosh computer for my desk. I need a proper computer from Apple 
that I can put on my desk and make a living from a hell of a lot more than I need a stupid ceramic watch. In my view, Apple, you really need to get your collective fingers out and show me some wow, or it might be that my next work computer isn't a Mac and my next personal laptop is a Linux machine. And that is a very hard thing for someone like me who's been with you for nearly 30 years to have to admit to. So people, I guess we're all going to have to cross our fingers, hold our breath yet again and wait for the next big reveal. And let's all pray to whatever powers there are that perhaps somebody will kick Johnny up the bum and tell him to stop mucking about with all this toy town stuff and get on and make a proper computer for us please. So I think that's enough of me for now. I shall return you to your regular programming. I've been Serenak. Goodbye and thank you for listening. There's no doubt about it. That Microsoft event wasn't half bad at all. Windows Creator Edition? Meh, oh going to take that and leave it till I actually see it in real life. 3D avatars as a demonstration meh, doesn't really appeal to me. Although that scanning thing does look very, very interesting. Although the lighting was absolutely spot on because there wasn't ever a shadow on that sandcastle whatsoever. And if you're scanning in 3D, you're guaranteed there's going to be a shadow. Try going to the beach and walking around something without tripping over yourself. You know exactly what I mean. I enjoyed looking at the Surface hardware so much so that I was actually on eBay pricing them up and going, you know what, that's not bad. And then I realised one slight problem. It's running Windows, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I don't want to rip on Windows. Windows 10, it's still got its fair share of problems, especially, especially in a corporate environment. The stuff that you can't do on Pro that you used to be able to because they want you to buy an enterprise license. It's just bonkers. Created Edition? Uh, sounds okay. Not sure 3D avatars is right up my avenue, although I'm sure I'll be going, oh my God, it's brilliant when I realise what I can do with it. I love the scanning demonstration. I thought that was really good. Although, did you notice the perfect lighting? There were no shadows whatsoever when she was doing the, the scan. Good to see a female presence there as well. You kind of think that might have been a dig at Apple, but... To me, all right, yes, it's good to have equality, but I like to see people up there who are in that position of doing that job, if that makes sense. Don't put someone to the front just because you feel you have to hit a quota. Now, that's just my opinion. Make of it what you will. If someone's good, I don't care if they're male, female, or anything else in between. Just get up there and be entertaining. And to be honest, they were. And I really like the girl who's doing the who did the gaming demonstration, oh, no, sorry, Photoshop demonstration, the Surface tablet thingy, desk, computer, I've completely forgotten what it's called, that's a brilliant way to avoid gorilla arms because you're resting on it. So, yeah, very, very good design. Again, I'm not entirely sure if they tried to out-apple Apple. I think they may have gone a little bit overboard with the video showing how just exactly how the hinges are all connected together. Not sure that people wanted to see most of that. I like the fact it's got a really small box coming off the bottom of it, which obviously has some huge graphical power. Apple, take notice. We do want graphics 
decent graphics. Yes, things like metal are good, but give us something that's tangible just for a little while. So yes, we know software is getting better. Yes, we know it's going to be more and more optimized. I just don't, oh, I just wish there was some importance on there. The whole thing about IMAX, I'm going to save that for the next show. I want to be able to bounce off people for that. Apple's presentation. Did anyone else think Tim looked a bit bored and a bit disinterested? Or was that just me? Because he really did seem to be in the first few moments when he was on the stage doing a general introduction, looking down at his notes. It was only when he was talking about the iPhone that he seemed to sort of like, you know, be able to rattle off those figures off the top of his head. And as Alex G. Fox said on the Mac and Forth show, every year the adoption rate is getting better and quicker and all that sort of stuff. But why waste all that time talking about an iPhone when clearly people are here for a desktop event? It's kind of like they had to pad out the two hours just in case yes anyway the macbook air looks like it's dead replaced by the new macbook pro which looks lovely that brings me on to a story that i saw today where again phil schiller is answering questions in what seems to be a never-ending press pr tour now the first point is that people are unhappy because it will only have 16 gig. And that turns out to be a trade-off slash limitation of the chipset. 16 gig equals longer battery life. 32 gig equals not so longer battery life. Yes, there is going to be a proportion out there of people who want to have the, who want the extra power and the extra memory. I guess developers, video editors and the rest. But it was, again, interesting today that Phil Schiller came out answering, the new pros have no SD card slot for a camera memory card. Why not? And Phil answered, because of a couple of things. One, it's a bit of a cumbersome slot. You've got this thing sticking halfway out. Then there are very fine and, fa fine and fast card readers. And then you can use compact flash as well as SD. So we could never really resolve this. We picked SD because more consumer cameras have SD, but you can only pick one. So that was a bit of a trade-off. And then more and more cameras are starting to build wireless transfer into the camera. That's proving very useful. So we think there's a path forward where you can use a physical adapter if you want or do wireless transfer. Okay, bit of a good point there. Everything's going wireless. But again, not all cameras have the software that make wireless transfer any good. And of course, it all comes at the expense of camera li uh, battery life. Phil Schiller goes on to say that the slot is cumbersome, the, stick, the card sticks out the side, and let's face it, they do love their lines, and there's probably some internal reason why the mechanism isn't there. Wonder if next year that points towards, well, if you can't have a SIM card, uh, an SD card slot, can you have a SIM card slot? Maybe if that was going to be the way forward on the new anniversary iPhone. He also answered a question about the 3.5mm jack. As Shiller said, the 3.5mm jack is more than just about headphones for the laptop, which makes it different to the iPhone 7 situation. He says, if it was just to plug headphones, the port wouldn't be necessary. However, the 3.5mm jack remains in the product and as pros and studio monitor amps and other pro audio gear do not have wireless audio solutions. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. 
But I suppose my biggest grief of Apple right now is that if I was looking to buy a reasonably priced Mac, I pretty much can't. They seem to have dropped the people that aspire to own a Mac or really want to climb on that ladder and have a MacBook Pro or an iMac dead, really. And maybe, yes, it is still a little bit of bitterness because they just jacked the price up. In it's not only the UK that's getting this, by the way. It's going to be in a lot more places in Europe. But it seems, you know, if you want to buy a reasonably priced laptop-style computer, they really have pushed you towards the iPad. Oh, Lord, that reminds me. I tried to buy an iPad Air 2 this week off eBay. I read the eBay title, which says iPad Air 2, 64 gig, because I'm not making the mistake of buying a 16 gig one again. It comes with Wi-Fi and cellular. The description, you know, the bit on eBay where it puts in the old, uh, you put the model number in and it pre-populates everything. iPad Air 2. I googled it. I looked at the picture, which was a bit crummy. I couldn't see the details. And so I clicked buy. One day later, and that was quite impressive because he said, oh, if you pay for it now, you'll have it tomorrow. That was when the alarm bells should have started ringing. And guess what? Get into work Monday. There's a package waiting for me. Not a box. Oh, no, no. It's a jiffy bag. And I'm just going, oh, God, oh, God, this is not going to be good. And guess what? It was an iPad Air 1. The screen wasn't cracked or anything like that. No, it's in fact, it's perfectly good. An iPad Air 1 with, wi- with Wi-Fi and cellular. Brilliant. But it's not the iPad Air 2. Because the reason I went to try and get an iPad Air 2 is because I want to go wholeheartedly into my project without wishing, oh, I wish I had split view, or I wish I had, could do this, or I wish I had touch ID. I want to take away all of the barriers that I perceive that I have and try using my iPad for a week. Now, I know it's the very first world thing, it's the very first world problem, But now I've got to go for this whole ridiculous return process because he's saying at the bottom of the description, I put first generation. Oh, great. Yes, he's right. He did put first generation. He didn't say first generation what? So 99% of the advert is wrong or the listing is wrong, but he put that at the bottom. So now I've got to wait five more days for eBay to go, oi, you've sent the wrong thing. You listed it wrong. And he actually said... He actually said in the feedback between the communicator with me and him that you should be grateful that I put pictures up. Most people don't. Yes, my thoughts exactly. And if anyone out there listening is from the UK or Europe and would like to sell me their iPad Air 2, get in touch with me via EssentialApple.com or the Twitter at EssentialApple. Then before we go into the feedback and end the show, let's head over to John Nemo's hardware store. And this week, it's all about power and amplification. So, John, over to you. The topic is power on Nemo's hardware store this week. Let's start with the MyCharge Power Gear Sound. The cost is around $40 in the U.S. And Mark will have the U.K. links in our show notes and prices. It's a small, little, curvaceous black box. You open it up, and inside you see a USB micro, a very short 2-inch USB micro tip cable. And then they also include another 3-inch USB micro tip charging cable. So you flip open a little trap door on the side, and then you can charge up the MyCharge Power Gear Sound 
you actually charge up the internal battery in this really nice, attractive, durable little case. When you press a button on the side, let's see, where is that button? Right here. Oh, it shows me I've got four units of power. And then when it's all charged up, I can take my Bluetooth wireless earbuds and put them inside here and charge them up on the go. It's really useful. So it protects the earbuds and it also allows them to be charged at the same time. What is the power rating on this? Hang on one second. It's 1000 mAh. So you can charge up portable wireless Bluetooth earbuds several times. It's very good for travel because it's durable and it does have the battery built in. When you've got conventional headphones that don't have enough oomph, you want to get the Sound Blaster E1 USB HD audio and headphone amp from Creative Labs. And again, we will have the links and the UK information in our show notes, but this is also around $40 in the United States. You get a special app, and it allows you to manage the power distribution on the Sound Blaster, but when I take it out of my little bag here, it's quite small. It's about two inches by one inch by half an inch with a clip on it. And the idea is very simple. You charge it up also with a micro USB cable that's included. And then this will actually have a battery that adds oomph and power quality to your wired traditional earbuds with a cable. The ones that Creative provided for me are called the Aurvana, A-U-R-V-A-N-A, in-ear three. Now, these are either side of $100. I've seen them for as much as $130 or down to about $80, depending on where you buy them, in USA pricing. So Mark will be able to find us the best pricing in UK. But I was a little bit disappointed with the Orvana in-ear 3 headphones, traditional wired headphones. They say that they're premium, but once I plug them in and use the boosting feature in the E1 Sound Blaster USB HD audio and headphone amp, all of a sudden... I like these headphones a lot more. So when you have headphones that don't have quite enough muscle to them, or you want to smooth out some abrasive sound distribution, you might want to consider the Sound Blaster E1 from Creative. So that's it this week on Nemo's Hardware Store. As John said, you'll be able to find all the links and information in the show notes over at EssentialApple.com or maybe it might even be in the show notes in the bottom of your podcasting application, along with... The Amazon Affiliate Link. If you like these products, or if you don't, or even if you just shop at Amazon, please click our link because we get a very small kickback and a bit of commission from wherever you buy. So you may go and look at headphones and end up with an electric toothbrush or a carving knife because don't forget that time of the year is coming very, very soon round the corner, we get a very, very small bit of commission, which all goes back into the show to help pay for costs, new hardware. Hopefully one day I'm going to get a microphone because my sure I've got the game cranked all the way up and I'm having to do some strange wizardy type stuff with normalization to get it all working. And... If you're thinking of getting an Amazon Prime subscription for Top Gear that's coming out on the 18th, that would also help us as well. So the link will be in the show notes. So let's have a bit of feedback then, shall we? I thought the days of having to search for my soundboard and search for that sound clip 
were over. But it's been another couple of weeks without any feedback. But why? Dear listener, what are we doing wrong? Or what are we doing right? And you know the best way to tell us? Leave us feedback. There is a link on our YouTube channel, which again will be in the show notes. And I'm going to tweet it out at Essential Apple on how to leave feedback if you've got an iOS device. And if you don't use Apple's own podcasting doohickey app, rate us on Overcast. Recommend us. Let's see what happens if we start pushing us there, because I would love to see our podcast artwork shown there in Overcast. I just think that would be so, so funny in a weird, messed up sort of way. Speaking of YouTube, I have been dallying and playing, doing a few YouTube videos and live streaming. So again, another reason to mention Twitter. Yeah, sorry, I seem to be overdoing that a bit this week. But follow me on the Twitter, again, at Essential Apple, and then you'll get notified of when I go streaming. And sometimes I may or may not be slightly inebriated, which makes it all the more entertaining for someone out there. And you know what? The results haven't been too bad. So I'm going to keep continue doing it as a bit of a side project and see where it goes. And it'll be good to see you. Don't forget our very own Carl Madden, who's also on the Mac and Forth podcast, did a really excellent review of the Manfrotto tripod. So if you've ever wondered how to get silky smooth camera angles, that's another reason to go visit our YouTube channel. Dear Lord, I've been going on here for 45 odd minutes, or rather show hands, but I want to do a worth a chirp because this game has the best soundtrack I think I've ever heard in a long, long time. Now, ever since I can remember, I've hated, hated pinball because I suck at it. I absolutely am dire. It's like gravity takes on a whole new sentient being in the shape of the ball of a pinball machine. And it seems to go, aha, you know what? My sole aim in life is to go through the middle of the flippers and not give you any chance at all to flip the ball. And of course, this isn't even bringing up the time of a school disco way back when, where this one lad was on the pinball machine for what seemed like four days and 15 hours to get a massive high score. I thought I could do the same, put my 50p in, which was a lot of money back then, and I was done in the space of about 15 seconds. I even tried Pinball Dreams on the CD32 on the Amiga, but nothing, nothing compares to Pinout for iOS. Think of a pinball game that's an endless scroller. Now, I hate pinball, but I love this game because it is a pinball game, but you get to just sort of keep flipping and flipping go up the table there's mini games the graphics will remind you of the new tron movies but it's just the soundtrack and the little mini games that set it all off it's by mediocre software and it's my worth a chip please go and download it because it's free yes it's the best app of them all when they're free there's no adverts did think you might want to consider us making the in-app purchase so you can continue from where you left off and that's worth doing it alone just for the soundtrack now the soundtrack is available separately and again of course that's giving you the show notes which will set you back about seven dollars and believe you me you will get your money's worth if you like that sort of music and i thought it's absolutely amazing and that's my worth a chirp 
Well, you know what? I'm going to call that a show, if only because the battery my mouse is dying and the keyboard are running out of hard drive space and my voice is starting to go as well. So I'm going to be back next week. I will have a guest. And until then, take it easy, everyone. Ta-da.